CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. It is your money and your life. Don and I back again to talk a little bit about investing, finance, retirement, all that good stuff. And of course, 4th of July uh, and the month of July is upon us. So this is our uh, our topic this go around. Don, what's going on, my friend? Happy 4th to you, sort of. We're taping this just a little ahead of the 4th, but how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. It's always weird when you record these shows and it's not the 4th of July, right? It's like these Christmas specials they did like in the <laughs> 70s where they recorded it in July. Right, yeah. And then <laughs> and the fake they, the snow, yeah. <laughs> they, they they dropped it, uh, you know, December 15th. But exactly. We're doing good. Um, when this show airs, our family will be in Sarasota, Florida, celebrating the July 4th holiday. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, I know you love history. I love history, too. So here's some interesting historical facts, Ooh, Mark, about Independence Day. So the document was actually signed by the 56 men on August 2nd, not really? July 4th. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, you know, it's the stuff they didn't teach us in, <laughs> in high school, right. grammar school. Yeah. But it was drafted on July 2nd with all the changes approved by July 4th. Oh, and, okay. Um, that's the why reason we celebrated July 4th. But today, actually, I read there were 26 copies remaining out of the original 200 wow. that were printed back uh, in 1776. And the most prominent um, one is at the National Archives in Washington, hmm. D.C. And I know I've seen one in, uh, in Philadelphia, Independence Hall. Right, right. And I think there's one in New York City because uh, a lot of people don't realize another interesting fact about the nation's founding is New York City was the nation's first capital. Yeah. Was it really? George, I thought yeah. Phil, I thought Philadelphia was. George Washington was inaugurated on the corner of Wall Street and Broad Street. Oh, well, looky there. Yeah. Dropping and all so, kinds of knowledge on the July 4th show. I'm telling you, this, is a, this, this show is a fount of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So maybe we should celebrate on July 4th and August 2nd. Oh, to, I don't you, know. I don't know if we can handle another one, but maybe. Yeah, that's good stuff. No, I, I like that stuff. And, and as we mentioned, so we're, we're going to put this out on the 30th, which is basically the end of June because you're going to be on vacation. So it'll be kind of serving a few days before the the 4th of July weekend. So, um, you know, hope everybody has a great holiday and enjoys, uh, you know, time with family or whatever it is that you like to do, hamburgers, hot dogs, whatever, right? That kind of thing. So very cool. A- absolutely. And one more uh, thing to keep in mind, uh-huh. only four more years until we celebrate the 250th anniversary of July 4th in 2026. Hey, maybe in four years we can figure out a way to pull us all back together again and have a big celebration for the 250th and uh, and actually you know move forward. That'd be great, wouldn't it? I'd like that. That'd be nice. That'd be a great one. Maybe that's the bonding experience the country needs. Uh, so we'll see how that is in four years. Hey, let's let's transition into a topic and, and get into some stuff here today. Obviously, the 4th of July stuff is very, very cool. Uh, but things that are on everybody's mind, uh, and that is, well, it's kind of tied into it, right? A little bit of a risk of losing our independence, if you'll pardon the pun, uh, and running out of money. You know, my mom, when she finally was, uh, you know, she got out of our house. She had to stay with us for a while when she first got into retirement, had some issues. And it really bugged her that she lost her independence. So when she got back to that, Don, it really made a, a big impact on her. So when we're thinking about independence and money and all that kind of stuff, obviously the inflation numbers, we haven't seen anything like this in 40 years. So it's certainly... Uh, it's tough. It's stark for people to look at this and say, wow. Uh, and for those younger folks, 
you maybe you've never seen this, right? I mean, I was only like 10 or so the last time it was this high. So at that same time, the stock market has dropped. Uh, we've, we've dipped really low in, on some of the in, indexes and some have done, you know, some are 15%, some are 20, some are 25. So you know, the nervousness about running out of money is there too. So how do we deal with that real risk, that independence feeling that we're talking about? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, for sure, I'm hearing more and more from people who are definitely getting worried, right? right. We have that combination we talked about last time of higher prices um, with inflation, mm-hmm. definitely increase in mortgage rates for young people. That's something that, you know, that I'm hearing more and more about. With, we haven't seen that in a so, long time. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much with with my clients. A lot of them, you know, have fixed rate mortgages right, like we all right. do for, you know, two, three. But maybe their grandkids, right? Or their kids. Yeah. Or definitely the kids, mm-hmm. you know, people looking for homes. I mean, they're getting kind of pushed out of the rental market because rents are going up oh, so yeah, high. Oh, yeah, time. Mm-hmm. So now you want to think about getting a house and their mortgage is um, 6% rate instead of 3%. It makes a big difference yeah. in the monthly payment. So it's a big pinch on the younger people. Of course, stock market drops, uh, in the values is an issue. And, you know, also something that people talk about with me and I noticed myself is this really stubbornly low interest rates on savings, mm-hmm. right? The Federal Reserve is increasing these um, interest rates, but it's not really as reflected in um, in savings rates. So if you go to an online bank, I know a lot of clients have these um, online bank accounts with like American Express Bank or uh, Goldman Sachs or something like that. Right. But the rates are like less than 1% on the savings rates. I mean, you can maybe find some gimmicky rates higher than that here and there. Yeah. But the fact is that the money needs to last for our lifetime, right? And the average life expectancy for a man who reaches age 65 is about 83. And for a woman, it's about 85. No, definitely. You know, and the expectancy thing is certainly something we've got to live with because we are living longer. And now compare that to the age, you know, since we were talking about Independence Day, our founding fathers, right? Uh, what was it? Something probably like 40, 35, somewhere in there, maybe? Yeah, I think that's about right. Something like 40 years old. But um, if you think about that, but it's interesting. we have to add a caveat to that. Like today, a lot of those life expectancy numbers really depend upon lifestyle, right? True. Yeah. Access to inf- health care. Someone's level of affluence really has a significant factor as well, and is also where they live. So, mm-hmm. this is another interesting historical fact: Thomas Jefferson died at age eighty-three. That's pretty John, darn good. Yeah, yeah, John Adams lived to ninety. Oh, that's even better. And what's ironic is they were big rivals mm-hmm. uh, back in the founding father days. They both died on the exact same day, July 4th of 1826. Wow. <laughs> How about, it was exactly 50 years to the day after the signing of the Declaration of Wow, that is wild. That's, and one yeah. thought the other one lived older than he did. You follow? Mm-hmm. I think Jefferson's last words were, Adam survives me. And Adams died in the morning. <laughs> wow. How, yeah. how weird is that? Very strange. But they, li- they lived much longer, of course, because of the factors that we mentioned. Right, right? Yeah. Access. They, they weren't outside working in the fields. It was their lifestyle. Was yeah. their access to health care. They were much more affluent than the average person back then. Um, and they lived in the city where they probably had access to better health care as well. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just like it's always been, right? I mean, so having some of those things certainly can increase your chances of longevity. Of course, genetics play a part as well, but definitely does not hurt to have all those things that you mentioned. So definitely really interesting. That's pretty wild. They also died on July 4th. Pretty well. Uh, if those are the averages, though, then the life expectancy for many people is in general higher than, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think that in fact, I'm quite sure I read that you can add up to about five years for many people over age 65 if they don't do things like smoke or drink in excess, if they maintain good weight, mm -hmm. if they're active and attend to their health. So that's really pushing that age like to age 90 or, or even older for many people. Yeah. As I mentioned, my mom's 80 and she's in great, knock on wood, she's in great health overall. So she's like, you know, she's like, I'm just going to keep plugging away. She might outlive me at this point. Uh, so that brings up another issue though, right? So we're living longer. So you have the higher risk of running out of money and living that longevity risk, Don, is really what they call a risk multiplier. It magnifies all the other risks. Absolutely. And, and that's a great point. And, and if you look at this, there's three things that can happen in life. If you look at the big picture, you could either die too young, right? Right. You could live too long or something can happen with an illness in between. Now, you know, I look at my family and my mom died much too young. She was 53. Mm. My grandparents lived very long, almost to age 100. Wow. And my dad got sick and needed 14 years of long-term care when he was about 66, and he died right before he turned 80. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's certainly interesting when you factor in that kind of um, the longevity, but then also the short. It's very hard for you to, when advisors are talking to people, sometimes we'll do that, right? We'll add that, well, my parents live really short, so I'm going to not be around long, or they really live mm -hmm. really long, so I'm going to be around long. And it certainly carries some weight in there. Uh, but it's, it's only one part of it. So that is one of the big risks. And definitely with the long-term care issue that you mentioned, because we certainly don't know when and where it's going to strike people. Yeah. And I mean, for sure. But if you look at the, um, the, the cost of long-term care for many people in the country, in most parts of the country, I should say, it's well over $100,000 a year. Yikes. And then we have, of course, inflation, and that's kind of driving things even higher. So many people really way underestimate mark the risk of needing extended care mm -hmm. or if they if they don't underestimate their they underestimate their risk of living too long yeah right so those are the two things that they kind of don't get a good handle on yeah and healthcare typically outpaces regular inflation let alone the time that we're in right now too so certainly something that's a lot of money hundred thousand so uh, we have these issues then. So we've got a person retired can possibly live into their 90s. Uh, the cost of the long-term care could potentially wipe them out if we have a big event or something, if you're not prepared. Uh, inflation clearly could drive up the expenses and erode the savings. Uh, and of course, the stock market could you know, drop uh, and, and increase that risk of running out of money sooner. Uh, all of these sound a little scary. So what do we do to protect ourselves, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's very true. When you when people uh, look at this and all those issues are kind of thrown at them, I mean, first off, I always suggest take a deep breath. As we mentioned the last time we spoke, the risks are not the same for everyone. Mm -hmm. Right? Some people should be worried, no doubt, and others really not so much. And when it comes to the first point, inflation, it doesn't affect everyone equally. So we have to take a hard look at our expenses. Right, understand how much is going out the door typically every month or every year because a lot of things aren't monthly expenses. They could be every quarter or once a year. There's a big bill. And we mentioned in the last show that the way inflation affects you 
is probably very different than how it affects your kids or your grandkids. Right, so right. you really need to write down those expenses. And that's a key starting point, Mark. And, and look, at, look at it every year. Right? You don't have to obsess over it. Uh, and a lot of people really get uptight over this exercise, Mark. <laughs> and actually, you know what? After it's done... Uh, and if you're married and you don't, it doesn't start a fight, <laughs> which yeah, often true. it yeah. does. But after it's done, it's really very liberating. Often it really frees people up to uh, spend more money without worry. And second, you know, be sure to really have a plan for healthcare, like a good Medicare supplement, a good drug plan, a quality long-term care plan. And as you mentioned, the, the cost of a care can easily be over $100,000 a year. Yeah, and I know a lot of these long-term care policies have increased in cost over the past few years with rate increases, but I guess it still makes sense, you know, something like 50% of people will need extended care at some point, you know, and so therefore it certainly makes sense to stick with it since the cost of care keeps going up. Yeah, I mean, very true. In most cases, Mark, people just pay the rate increase, um, the amount of coverage offered years ago, along with the premium, even with the rate increases, is much better than what people can get today. I, I see a lot of people coming back to me with these companies sending out letters that uh, show that the rate is going up, sometimes pretty substantially. But if you look at what the premium is for these older policies, compare it to what people are getting today, it's still a better deal if you bought this uh, policy 10 or 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, we covered inflation and long-term care a bit there. Uh, what about the savings conversation with the stock market being so jumpy? Uh, it, it gets tough for people to hang in there. And, and many people do feel like it's the market or you know the bank, like that's their only two options, right? Or going to cash, right, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, that's very true. So they have this term, I'm sure if you've heard this in finance, called capitulation. Do you ever hear of this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, it's like, where do you put the money now, right? Right. So if the stock market's going down, you put the money in, in bonds. Right. Uh, the bond market goes down, you put the money in stocks. If both are going down, you put the money in cash, right? right? So, <laughs> you know, right now you have uh, inflation if it's 8%. The savings rates are 1%, so you're losing money on that. Sure. Uh, the, the stock market, of course, has is, is dropped. In some areas, as you mentioned, it could be down 20, 30, 40, 50%. Depending on the stock, um, yeah, some 50, 60, 70, depending on the stock, but yeah. Right. And, you know, and for a lot of people, if they're careful and well-diversified, it's, it's much, much lower than that. Right, yeah. You know, they might be down, I don't know, like single digits in, in, in many cases. But you know, it's another thing we haven't talked about. We should tackle this on another show, is the uh, the bond market going down with the stock market. That's kind of unusual. Mm -hmm. But it gets tough to hang in there. Uh, people really need to get a handle on the risks that they have in life. So we touched on inflation and long-term care, living too long. And the other risk is really not understanding the risks people are taking with their money. And of course, if you don't understand risk, how can you manage risk if you don't great, understand it? Great, so, great point, yeah. Right? So in the spirit of the holiday, we really need to, to declare independence from the destructive messages that come from the media because they really don't educate us on risk, as well as Wall Street. They really encourage bad behavior and poor decision-making that can really wreck our savings plan. Yeah, and we talk about that all the time. You know, things like diversifying, as you just mentioned, rebalance, be sure that your savings plan matches your needs, uh, risk tolerance, time horizon, right? 
Absolutely, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Those are the the factors that we should look at when deciding like where to put the money. And you know, one of the best books I ever read on this subject, and there's many of them out there, but it's a short one. It's called The Investment Answer. Okay. This one is a five key decisions every investor needs to make. That's the title. Mm Uh, it's less than 100 pages. Oh. I'm sending it to all my clients, nice. actually, over the next couple of weeks. And of course, they hear these messages all, all the time from me. But their kids and their coworkers, they really need to know, you know, how to be a successful investor. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, let's put a link uh, up in the show notes for that book as well. So we'll put that for folks if they'd like to click on that and check that out. Uh, you mentioned on the last show, Don, the that tremendous value on education and working with a professional. We, we talk about that often. I think there's a lot to be said there. But many people... I mean, we just have no plan. We just do the ostrich thing, especially with long-term care or healthcare for sure, but no process or understanding of, you know, what to expect in retirement. So that's why it's, it's important to find a professional like yourself. That's why we, you know, we do the podcast. We try to offer the education, some of the fun and some of the things that we do. But at the same time, it's also to say, hey, if you need help, reach out to Don. I mean, he is a CPA uh, and a CFP, and he's been doing this for a long time, helping people, families get to and through retirement. So if you've got some questions, need some help, stop by the website for that consultation, that 15-minute consultation strategy session. Uh, Chat with Don. Go to DonaldCash.com. That's DonaldCash.com or call him at 800-664-1183. Yeah, Mark, when it comes back to that point we mentioned earlier, the actions that we take, Mm -hmm. all right, and we talk about this with uh, prospective clients and clients frequently, the question is, are we acting on feelings or on facts, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Many people act from impulse and instinct and perceptions, and and actually I have a formula that I share with people. We should probably put this up as a link, too. Oh, no. Um, So stay with me on this one, Mark. Okay. Here's the formula. I don't want to lose anybody here, but here it is. C has to be greater than I plus E plus P multiplied by M. Okay, so here's what it means. (laughs) Here's what it means. You've lost us. Yeah. C is basically the cognitive mind, right? So your mind, the way you think through things, needs to be greater than your instinct, your emotions, and your perceptions. Ah, Nice. Right, that's I plus E plus P. So people have a certain instinct and they have an emotional reaction. We all do, we're human, and a perception which may not equate to reality, right? Mm-hmm. And that's multiplied by M, which and that's the big <laughs> one. That's the media. Yeah, I see where you're going. Yeah. Nice. I like that. Yeah. So it's our, our mindset. Uh, about these things and then how we, you know, how we, our instincts are, how our emotions are, how we perceive things. And then that gets magnified by whatever it is that we're hearing or seeing on the regular that we get bombarded with uh, day in and day out. And we've talked before about if you've got a preset thought about something done, you can easily go confirmation bias. You can find any number of things to confirm that you were right all along, you know, even if you're not. <laughs> Absolutely. And the media is more than willing to play along with that. Exactly. Right? They're all about uh, magnifying feelings, perceptions, instincts. And that drives people in, you know, one direction or another. We see it all the time politically, right? People are driven to the, the left or the right and their emotions and their perceptions, instincts like anchor them in that position. The same thing is, uh, happens emotionally with investing as well. So if you're working without a trusted advisor or even if you have a stockbroker, mm-hmm. you need to ask yourself, are you or your broker uh, acting more like a thermometer 
or a thermostat. Hmm. So I'll tell you what I mean by that. A thermometer, it simply just reflects the temperature in the environment, right? Right. It reacts to what's happening around it. So if the temperature is hot, it tells you so. Mm -hmm. If it's cold, the thermometer reflects the reality that it's cold. So it's just a reactionary instrument in the sense that it doesn't contain, you know, in any intelligent uh, multi-purpose function. It has one purpose, and that's one purpose only is is to reflect the temperature. And that's how many people act with their financial decisions. Mm. They're a thermometer as opposed to a thermostat. And that, on the other hand, the thermostat of course, we have them in our homes, regulates the environment. It sets the temperature of the room and actively works to maintain it within a certain range. We talked about that time where with the investing, right? Working within a range of returns. Right, right. If the temperature rises above the goal, the thermostat signals that the air conditioner's got to crank up and cool down the room. And if the temperature falls, gets low, below the goal, that thermostat causes the heater to crank on to turn on the warm air in the room. So the thermostat is intelligent, is cognitive in the sense that it's always monitoring the environment. And if the temperature gets too hot or cold, it decides what to do to correct the situation. So in the spirit of July 4th, um, Benjamin Franklin, I just found out, was one of the inventors of the thermostat. Oh, <laughs> so, oh fantastic. Yeah. A good advisor is like a good thermostat. There you go. That's great. I love the putting that little the, to the final touch there on that, bringing it all back, some synergy there to the concept of the 4th of July show, independence, and the things that we're going with here today. So if you got to, again, folks, if you got some questions, reach out to Don, get onto his calendar, have a conversation. Obviously, as he mentioned, he's going to be on vacation. But that don't, don't don't let that stop you. Just reach out. You know, go ahead and you know get some time with him. Send an email, whatever the case might be. Find all that information at donaldcash.com, donaldcash.com, or call 800-664-1183. And I guess with Don, uh, with that, I guess enjoy your vacation. Have a great time, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Mark. Happy Independence Day to you and everyone out there. Yeah, exactly. So all of our listeners, enjoy your holiday and tune in for more episodes of Your Money and Your Life with Don and I here. You can find all that stuff on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you like to use. Uh, just simply type in Your Money and Your Life. You can find the podcast that way. Or you can stop by our podcasting website, which is doncashpodcast.com. That's doncashpodcast.com. We'll see you next time here on the show. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.